0: Listening
1: to the Up and Under Podcast, starting in 3, 2, 1.
0: Yo, what's up, guys? Welcome to the Up and Under Podcast. I'm your host, joining me, as always, it's b Yo. Alright, man. So, again, now that the playoffs have gotten underway, I mean, we're pretty deep into the playoffs now, it's time to start to look back at the regular season and really, you know acknowledge the players that have done really well this season and the, you know and granted although this is not a normal season by any means just based on the injuries the 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 covid situation uh you know some relocation business that went on but there was still some great play overall and you know and it's tradition to obviously have the all nba team so as promised on this episode of the podcast we're going to be breaking down our all nba picks for this season
1: all defensive and all rookie as well
0: exactly so we're doing all, all those predictions and uh the i mean it's, it's a pretty it's pretty interesting this year to pick these all nba teams a lot of the times it's been pretty uh black and white in terms of you know picking them Like there wasn't a lot of debate but this season you know there was there was some debate there was some back and forth and i think you'll see that as we kind of go through uh our, our picks for this year But starting us off with the all-rookie team, because that is the one that we care about the least. (laughs) We just want to get rid of it first. So we're going to start off with the all-rookie first team. And the first candidate uh, for the all-rookie first team is obviously the number one overall pick, Anthony Edwards, from the Minnesota Timberwolves. Obviously, he's had a pretty great year overall. You know, started off pretty slow, but I think especially after Chris Finch took over, just his numbers skyrocketed. I mean, he averaged almost 20 points a game, shot the ball very well, became more of a creator. Uh, had some highlight dunks this year as well, so he's really blossomed into what I personally expected him to be in terms of being, uh, having the, having the physical tools to be in the NBA, but also still room for refinement to become that you know three level scorer that he has the potential to be. So, yeah, Anthony Edwards is definitely all rookie first team material, yeah,
1: man. If you look at our uh NBA awards predictions, too, we put Anthony Edwards as our rookie of the year. Spoiler alert, um. And he definitely deserves it. You know, he had a great season. Again, as Hani said, he started off a bit slow. But ever since, especially after Chris Finch took over, you know, he turned that corner. He became a much capable NBA player, um, able to become better at pretty much everything on the court. So Anthony Edwards definitely deserves to be on the all-rookie first team. Um, The next guy uh, that deserves to be on the all-rookie first team is LaMelo Ball from the Charlotte Hornets. Now, no surprise there, LaMelo Ball was probably favored to be the Rookie of the Year for most of the year, obviously until he injured his hand and broke it or fractured it, actually. Um, And the thing about LaMelo Ball is that, you know, his stats, at least at the beginning, didn't scream out, you know, uh, a Rookie of the Year winner. But the excitement that he brought to especially a very dead franchise in Charlotte, no offense, Hornets fans, um, and just the turnaround he was able to bring them from going from the team from last year to a potential playoff team this year. Obviously, they completely blew it in their last game. But, you know, the turnaround is real. And LaMelo Ball was a huge factor in that in terms of his shooting ability and his obviously his playmaking, which is his claim to fame.
0: Yeah, I think obviously the biggest thing with LaMelo Ball is that he changed the culture in Charlotte. Um, obviously, bringing that winning presence to them, being a the type of the type of player he was uh, growing up. And you know, again, he brought some flash. He brought some kind of, I guess, Showtime-esque stuff to to Charlotte. And what was pretty much a dead franchise now has a pretty bright future in terms of, you know, the young players they have with Lamelo Ball, obviously with um, Devontae Graham, uh, Miles Bridges, and uh, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Like you know, you can name all the all the ta- young talent in Charlotte. So Lamelo Ball definitely deserves to be in the in the All Rookie First Team. Obviously, the injury did not help him in the Rookie of the Year race, and at least in our opinion. But definitely, hands down, is one of the best players of this draft class. Moving us on into the next player in the all-rookie first team, we're going to give it to Tyrese Halliburton of the Sacramento Kings. Now, Halliburton was pretty much of a shock to all of us in terms of, we were just shocked at how this guy fell this that far in the draft. You know, he really, from, from the beginning of the season, just really established himself as a very poised, uh, very NBA-ready player. You know, he already had a, a decent jump shot. You know, the handle was there, making good decisions, not really not really looking like a rookie out there, which is kind of what you, exactly what you want, you know, and especially in Sacramento where they just need some sort of stability, you know, having Tyrese Halliburton pretty much replace Buddy Heald just seems like such a blessing in disguise for them.
1: Yeah, man, Tyrese Halliburton is probably being the most consistent rookie from start to finish. Um, and he's been absolutely great for the Sacramento Kings. They finally hit on a pick um, after, you know, just,
0: I think of got Darren Fox.
1: Well, you know that's that's where Tyrese Halliburton comes in. He's going to be Darren Fox's backcourt now, uh, backcourt partner now for the foreseeable future. And so the Sacramento Kings finally got a couple of good players going well for them. Um, but yeah, as I said, Tyrese Halliburton has been great from day one, um, and it was great to finish off the season uh you know Lamelo ball anthony edwards were also great but they didn't have the great starts tyrese halberton came in from day one and he looked to be that dude you know he looked to be a game changer. like connie said he looked like a veteran player out there did not make any mistakes um and did not look like a rookie at all so tyrese halberton definitely deserves to be on the all rookie first team the next guy we have on the all rookie first team is emmanuel quickly from the new york Knicks, and this was a guy that again not really you know nobody really expected him to be this good yeah exactly and the biggest thing about Emmanuel quickly is that I think the, big, the best asset of his game and this is being talked about to death I think especially in New York but it's the floater game his floater is very impressive he already has one of the best floaters in the league and if you want to be a guard in today's league as we've said numerous times with guys like Fred Van Vliet especially uh, us as Raptors fans watching you on a nightly basis If you want to be able to be a very good guard um, on the offensive side of the ball in this league, you have to have a floater. You look at what it's done for guys like James Harden, Mike Conley, um, as I said, Emmanuel Quickly, Steph Curry, Steph Curry. All of the great guards have a floater in their game because it's impossible to guard. There is no way you can guard it. And so Emmanuel Quickly to have an NBA ready floater um, and especially to be one of the best floater artists in the game already speaks volumes to how great he's been from day one for the new york knicks especially when they've needed a bench presence a young presence like him
0: yeah i mean again emmanuel quickly has been one of those guys like he came out of nowhere really had a great season established himself well in what new york was trying to do uh this season you know especially you know on top of the floater you know he was able to bring a little like some energy on the defensive the defensive end you know the the jump shot is obviously a work coming coming together as well so Again, Emmanuel quickly again, is another young piece that New York has has somehow found. Um, Again, hopefully they can develop him further. That's yet to be seen on New York's developmental system. But, you know, overall, I mean, he definitely has been one of the best rookies this season. Uh, Which brings us into the final member of the All-Rookie First Team. Uh, We're going to give it to Sadiq Bey of the Detroit Pistons. Now, Sadiq Bey has been fantastic this year for the Detroit Pistons. And what has been a pretty disappointing year, well, another disappointing year for the Detroit Pistons, Sadiq Bey has been pretty awesome, man. He's just been uh, like a solid two-way presence. You know, he's strong, he's athletic, he can defend multiple positions. He can also shoot the three-ball pretty well, uh, pretty darn good as well. So Sadiq Bey is just looking like that quintessential three-and-deep role player that every team wants. Um, I personally didn't expect this out of him. But uh, again, when I, every time I've seen, I've seen him play, I just see that there's a lot of growth potential, especially on his offensive game as well. But defensively, he's already very polished as a rookie.
1: Yeah, man. He's great. He's been better than I think a lot of people expect. I expect him to be good. I didn't think he'd be this good, though. You know, a guy, you know, another Villanova guy. Um, But Sadiq Bey's been awesome. He's already, uh, you know, a 40% three-point shooter. He's already a very good defender. As Hani mentioned, he has the strength. He has the size. He has the speed. Um, So he just came into the NBA as a very capable and very NBA-ready player. And that's completely translated to his on-court production, where he's being one of the lone bright spots. For a garbage Detroit Pistons uh, franchise.
0: Yeah. So those so that was our All Rookie First Team. Uh, moving us on into the All Rookie Second Team. Uh, the first player we want we want to shout out. We want to obviously award to the All Rookie Second Team is Desmond Bain of the Memphis Grizzlies. Now again, one of those lesser known guys. Again, he was the thirtieth pick in the draft. Obviously, in uh, this past year, not really much expectation. But again, became a solid role player for Memphis. You know. Did did his job, you know, brings energy on, on both ends of the floor. And again, just became a solid player. That's really all Memphis is trying to do is build that culture of hard work, build that culture of, you know, any, like, you know, every man's got to play their role. And again, Desmond Bean another example of a player that's really done a great job of that.
1: I think you pretty much touched upon it, right? Uh, Desmond Bean, Memphis drafted him to be another key cog in the system. And he's being that, you know, we're talking about, um, you know the league moving forward, with three and D guys. Desmond Bain embodies that. You know the defense and then the three point shooting. He's already been he's already been one of the best three point shooters in the league this season, coming in as a rookie. So for him to just you know be in that Memphis system for Taylor Jenkins to have another guy to throw in there, like guys like D'Anthony De- uh, Melton, Dylan Brooks. Um, you know the list goes on. Grayson Allen's had a great season as well. So, Desmond Bain has been very key for the Memphis Grizzlies, and there's a reason why you see him playing fourth quarters of the playoff games because he's been that valuable for them. Um, the next guy we have on the all-rookie second team is Patrick Williams. Now, Patrick Williams from the Chicago Bulls, um, I think a lot of people were surprised when he was drafted that high, um, including us. We were very surprised. He went
0: number four. <laughs>
1: exactly. He went number four overall. And, you know, even Chicago fans were very surprised because they all thought, you know, most of them thought they were getting Obi Toppin. But Patrick Williams is developed very nicely for them in the sense that, you know, he he doesn't he's, he's not a flashy player. He doesn't pop off on the stat sheet, but he's one of those guys that just does a little bit of everything on the court for you. And there's a reason why Chicago's so much better with him on the court. He's just one of those guys that brings those intangibles into the game. Um, uh, you know, a good comparison off the top of my head is a guy like Nick Batum, right? Never popped off on the st- stat sheet, never, you know, popped off on the highlight reel. But he was—he's always been an integral, winning presence on the court um, for his whole career, and I think Patrick Williams has been that for the Chicago Bulls, even in this young uh, stage of his career.
0: Yeah, for sure. I think again, like Chicago was really drafting based off of who would fit the roster better, and I think Patrick Williams really fit what they were trying to do. You know, they wanted a type of uh, forward that can play multiple, pos- that can defend multiple positions, especially considering Chicago doesn't really have a really defensive heavy system right now. Like, they need players that can come in and be uh, defensive minded guys. And Patrick Williams has been that. You know, the offense, I think, will come. But again, when you have a guy like Zach Levine, and now you went out and you got. Probably him. gone. Oh, Zach Levine? <laughs> Are you serious? You going to be gone? <laughs> I mean, we'll see what happens with Zach Levine. But again, you, got you went out and got a guy like Nikola Vucevic. Like, again, you're going to get offense from these guys. But you've got to focus on some of the defense, on the defensive side of the balls, too. And I think Patrick Williams is one of those pieces that you can definitely build with on the defensive end. Uh, moving us on into the next player on the all rookie second team. Uh, we're gonna give it to Cole Anthony of the Orlando Magic. Now, I've been very high on Cole Anthony since he got drafted. I really liked his liked his game. I really liked the poise that he was bringing in the NBA, and I think you you really saw that. You know, the way he's able to run point for Orlando has been has been solid. I mean, he, again, his numbers are are decent. He shows uh, he showed a lot of poise, and obviously coming into the coming into the league, hitting he hit some big game winners as well. So this is a guy who, again, you know, NBA background, NBA family, but has the poise and has obviously the mentality to get better in this league. And I think for Orlando, who's been struggling to look for a point guard, they finally now have two capable point guards who could actually play together in Markel Folt and now Cole Anthony as well.
1: I think you talked about it, right? They can play together. And the reason why is Cole Anthony's, I mean, he plays point guard, but he's not really a point guard, right? He's a score first guy um and we well, can do both he, that's being him for, uh, that's been his game for his whole career right in, in college and in high school you know very tight touted high school prospect um but yeah cole anthony's already hit some big shots for them he's already played great for them hit some you know had some huge games for them um and so cole anthony you know he had a lot of hype coming in to college um you know struggled a bit injuries also happened but you know he's turned himself into a very good NBA player, and that's I think all the Orlando Magic can ask for at this point. The next guy we have is Jayson Tate from the Houston Rockets, and I think Jayson Tate embodies you know uh, what it means to work hard to get to the NBA. A guy that went undrafted in 2018, if I'm not mistaken, um, after a four-year college career, I think at Ohio State. Um, and the thing about Jayson Tate too, he he spent he he paid his dues overseas. He finally got his chance in the NBA for the Houston Rockets. And he's turned himself himself into a very big part for them. Um, You know, again, another guy that does everything on the court. Um, Three-point shooter, uh, you know, can play physical, can play some defense. And he's just been all over the court for the Houston Rockets. And it's been exactly what they need because of the fact that, you know, they don't have much talent on this team. Um, They need some young prospects moving forward. And, you know, for them to get our diamond in the rough like Sean Tate. Um, I think was very fortunate for both of them.
0: Yeah, I think, again, for Houston, it's been a pretty disappointing season overall if you're looking at holistically this season. But in terms of them acquiring young talent, Jayshon Tate has been pretty pretty solid of a player. You know, he's really worked his way into being, you know, a, a great rotational piece for them. You know, he fits well with Christian Wood, obviously, and he's a good building block for what Houston's trying to do. You know, he can shoot the three, he can guard a few positions. Again, fits kind of the mold of what every team's trying to do. And I think for Houston... With more obviously young players going to be coming in, having a piece like this on your roster is definitely will definitely help you moving forward. Uh, and finally, our last player on the All-Rookie Second Team, uh, we're going to give it to Facundo Campazo of the Denver Nuggets. Obviously, he's one of those thirty-year-old uh, rookies. Who was the last guy who was old? Uh, There's Pablo Prigioni. There was Pablo
1: Prigioni. There was
0: Milos yeah. Teodosic. Oh yeah, Teodosic. Bro, the Clippers had both of them. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, they did.
0: Clippers love their old rookies, but Denver got one as well in Facundo, Facundo Uh but yeah he's been a pretty steady hand for them. Obviously being an older rookie like he's played obviously European basketball in the past as well but again for Denver if they didn't have him and Jamal Murray got hurt man I don't know where they'd be honestly because again like he's just been that steadier hand that someone that you can play at the point guard position get the ball to Jokic and then Jokic can obviously handle the playmaking uh, responsibilities uh, more so on on his end but again just occasionally be able to shoot the three ball Player your role. He's uh, been a solid player for Denver. And again, Denver, he's helped Denver really stay afloat with the injuries this season.
1: Yeah, man. Fakou's been great for the Denver Nuggets. I, you know, there's questions about, especially even Mike Malone talked about it too. Like he didn't think he would play him in the playoffs. But I kind of don't understand the reasoning because of the fact that he was one of the most valuable players in Europe in the EuroLeague for Real Madrid. Um, you know, he's one of the best passers. He was one of the best passers overseas. He's one of the smartest guys overseas. So, you know, I think this production from him is to be expected because of the fact that he's playing at the he was playing at the second highest level in the world. And he was dominating at that level, even at his, you know, five foot ten height. So for him to come to the NBA and I think play the way he did is no surprise. Another, you know, Argentinian guy um, that, you know, people you know, pisses off a lot of people. But that's what those guys do, right? They're known for doing that. And it's very valuable to a Denver team that in the past has been called soft by a lot of people. And so I think Faku Composito is being absolutely what they need, especially, like you said, with Jamal Murray out, Will Barton out, PJ Dozier out. Um, He's pretty much being what they
0: need right now yeah no he's been fantastic but yeah those were all rookie first and second teams definitely let us know what you guys think do you agree or disagree did we miss anybody let us know on social media which brings us over into the all defensive teams now this is what things get a little bit interesting in terms of you know because it's not really an award that's just heavily based on stats we've talked about in the past a lot of it comes down to the eye test what you see the effort the way he impacts a certain team uh so yeah the all defensive teams we're gonna start off with the all defensive first team uh first off just want to break down the format. The formats obviously two guards, two forwards, and the center. So we, that's how we, we picked our teams. Uh, for for these guys. I mean, a lot of the times on the internet, like people just throw anybody on yeah. these lists. So uh,
1: people I don't think people remember that to be I mean, two guards, two forwards, and center.
0: Yeah. So it's we did it based on the format. So obviously the first uh, guard position we for the all defensive first team, we gave it to Ben Simmons of the Sixers. Obviously, again, I've had my criticisms of Ben Simmons as being an offensive player, but there's no denying we've talked about it a lot. His impact on the defensive end has just there's just no denying it like the Sixers have a top five defense in the NBA and that's mainly because of Ben Simmons he can literally he's literally probably the best perimeter defender in the league right now definitely like the like, hands down I mean he can defend multiple positions he has size he has speed he has good hands as well like, very very good reflexes again Ben Simmons has just been that great solid defensive presence for the Sixers and again though i don't consider him a guard i mean he's 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 listed as a guard so yes he's going to be on the all defensive first team as a guard.
1: yeah man ben simmons has been everything what the sixers have expected on the defensive end and more and it's pretty funny everything every time i think about ben simmons defensive reputation i think of of his college days when people questioned if he was even going to play defense in the nba because he didn't play any in college and uh, you know he answered those questions very quickly and uh you know it just speaks to it speaks volumes of how little like top guys care about college ball at this point which is why you see all these other leagues popping up but yeah ben simmons is hands down the best perimeter defender in the game as you touched upon he's legitimately a six you know six foot eleven seven foot um can play in front of guards Can has great hands has of speed quickness um agility and uh you know he's one of the two main reasons why the 76ers have been a great defensive team for the last you know four three four years at least um so yeah ben simmons was our first guard for the all defensive first team our second guard for the all defensive first team is drew holiday now drew holiday has always been kind of an underrated guy in the past but you know i think people have slowly learned how great of a player he is especially when nba players themselves always talk about how great Drew Holiday is. Um, I think that's the hallmark of, you know, what it means to, you know, your value as a player. If NBA players constantly, constantly praise you, um, that shows, I think, what you are as a player. And NBA players have given so much credit to Drew Holiday as one of the best defenders in the league, period. You know, this series averaging around 1.6 steals a game. And that doesn't do justice to what he does because he's another guy that can guard multiple positions. He can guard up two, three positions. Um, Has great length, great hands, uh, very quick, uh, very perceptive. You know, he has great IQ. And you look at what he's done, not just on the defensive side of the ball, but for the offensive side of the ball as well. Um, You know, just on both ends of how he's transformed the Milwaukee Bucks, you know, what they're looking like in these playoffs so far and in the regular season. You know, a large part of that has to do with Drew Holiday and and the way they changed their culture in Milwaukee and in the locker room. So Drew Holiday definitely deserves uh, the second guard spot for the all-defense first team.
0: Yeah, no doubt. I mean, he transformed Milwaukee. I mean, a lot of people were, were looking at the trade that, to, to get Drew Holiday and was like, yo, that's a lot to give up. But in considering and the contract. Yeah, and the contract. And, but considering, you know, the impact he's made for them, you know, the impact that he makes on both ends of the floor for Milwaukee, I mean, there's no denying he's one of the best perimeter defenders in this league. And, again, like, there's just, uh, you talk about when, like, your peers are obviously giving you so much credit. For being a great defender that 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 holds value you know as a lot a lot for how good you actually are because players know who's good and who's not good. so yeah drew holiday definitely deserves to be there i uh, moving on into a forward spot so our first forward spot we're going to be giving it to draymond green of the golden state warriors obviously you know draymond is not he's not the flashiest player but you you know but you're not gonna you are always gonna know he's on the floor because again he's he's gonna talk he's gonna put pressure and again he's been the defensive anchor for the Golden State Warriors through all their championship runs, through basically even now, like to what he's been able to do. You know, he's so valuable in in the sense that his versatility, his ability to guard multiple positions, even though he's undersized, he guards bigs a lot of the times as well. His hands getting steals, he averages about 1.7 steals the game this season. And you know, he's just been that that overall defensive presence. And again, a lot of people Say that you know he runs his mouth a lot, but you know what? Some of the best defenders in the world a- of all time have uh, are, you know are the best trash talkers as well. Like, look at Gary Payton, he talked the most trash out of anybody, but you know what? He's one of the best defenders of all time because, again, it's not about just talking the trash, it's about getting in the player's head. Kevin Garnett talked about that as well. He tried to do that with Tim Duncan, but and like you know Kobe as well. So, you know, Draymond might talk a lot of trash, but he backs it up as well. He gets in the players' heads and he makes forces them into mistakes, and that's that, that's The hallmark of a great defensive guy.
1: Yeah, man. You talk about, for example, a guy like Rudy Gobert, spoiler alert, we're gonna mention him in a bit. Um, but you talk about a guy like Rudy Gobert and how he is the defensive system for the Jazz, right? Like he he isn't part of the system, he is the system. And for the Golden State Warriors, the defensive system for them is Draymond Green. There would be they would be nowhere near uh competent if it wasn't for a guy like Draymond Green. You can talk about whatever you want about shooting. Obviously, his shooting is offensive side has obviously fallen off a cliff minus his playmaking but defensively he's still amazing um you know the quintessential game if you want to look at it look at the Lakers versus Warriors uh playing game that guy was everywhere on the court he was single-handedly destroying the Lakers for most of the game obviously until LeBron and you know the Lakers figured it out um in the second half and played better But Draymond Green was single-handedly destroying the L.A. Lakers in that game, and that speaks to what he's done for the Warriors over his tenure. Um, You know, he's only won, I think, what, one Defensive Player of the Year award. He definitely deserves more. Um, But again, as I said, he is the system for the Golden State Warriors, and he definitely deserves the spot on the all-defensive first team. The next guy who uh, deserves a spot on the all-defense first team for the forward spot is Giannis Antetokounmpo. No surprise there. This guy is like go-go gadget, arms, can do everything on the court, um, you know, protects the rim for the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh Mike Budenhoser this year has also unleashed him more on the perimeter. So he's just been doing everything for the Milwaukee Bucks. He won the Defensive Player of the Year award last year, first guy to win the MVP and DPOY award since Hakeem in 94. Um, But yeah he's averaging 1.2 steals and 1.2 blocks a game i think that speaks volumes to how great of a player he is inside the paint and outside the paint you know um another guy who the system largely revolves around him and his ability to quarterback the defense play all over the court play outside and inside so I think no surprise there, Giannis. He won it last year. Um, I think he he won the DPOY award last year. I think he definitely deserves to at least be first team this year.
0: Yeah, Giannis is just one of those all-around, just gifted defensive players in the sense that, you know, he has all the tools. You know, he's got the length. He's got the athleticism, system. He's got the strength. Like, he can do it all. Like, he can legitimately guard one through five. And I think that just makes him such a versatile defensive player. And I think, you know, especially in terms of the way the Bucks are trying to play you know having that versatility with him uh and being that guy that can not only guard you on the perimeter but also can, can come inside and block centers as well very valuable as well which finally brings us to the center position uh there's no surprise if you watched our awards picks our prediction for the defensive player of the year award spoiler alert was Rudy Gobert no surprise he's gonna probably be on the all defensive first team uh this season Rudy Gobert I mean we've said pretty much what we had to say in the awards uh episode but he is the Jazz's defensive system. Like, he is the system for the Utah Jazz. Without him, without having that safety net that, you know, if you if you get beat by your men, Rudy's going to be there in the paint to contest that shot or block that shot, you know, that's so valuable for the Utah Jazz. I mean, not to mention, the guy averages almost three blocks a game. Like, that's pretty impressive. For his career, he averages about two blocks a game as well. So Rudy Gobert, I mean, there's not much more we can say about him, but he's he's the best, one of the best defensive Anchors that we've seen in quite some time. Rudy Gobert has, if you think about it, and
1: you look at the stats, Rudy Gobert has arguably had the be- best defensive season of all time, and that's you know saying a lot, even coming from me. Um, Rudy Gobert, as I said, he is the system for the Utah Jazz in their defense. Um, he has been on a historically great pace for this season, and you know he can do it all. He can do everything you want from a big man on the defensive side of the ball. You know he anchors the paint. Um, this year, he's uh you know they've allowed him to switch onto the perimeter more and he's played even better you know he's been playing the best basketball of his career and that's saying a lot coming you know uh from a guy who already won the uh, defense player of the year award twice so rudy gobert has been absolutely great for the utah jazz um and not just the fact that he gets those blocks and you know all, all of those rebounds and whatnot but it's the fact that there's so many shots that aren't attempted because of the fact that he's there yeah and that plays a huge role or being a great defensive team, which the Utah Jazz are. Yeah, and he's a deterrent. Like yeah, he's an exactly. Absolute he deterrent. is an absolute deterrent. So no, no surprise there, Rudy really. Gobert will round out our all-defensive first team.
0: Yeah so, yeah, so that was the all-defensive first team. Moving us into the all-defensive second team, like, this is where a lot of questions really happen for us in particular. Like, we went back and forth on a couple of guys, but in terms of our first guard position, we're going to actually give it to Fred VanVleet of the Toronto Raptors. Now, Fred VanVleet, and yes, this is, this is definitely a home pick, but Fred VanVleet has definitely been, he's been a, a much better defensive player this year than he's had in previous seasons. And he's always had that ability to be that defensive type of player. But I don't think he gets a lot of credit in considering the fact that he gets overshadowed a lot by other guards and stuff. But in this season, there isn't really any other guard that I would put in this, we would put in this position over him, um, especially considering the impact that he made. I mean, the Raptors were pretty bad in terms of you know the season but it, fred has been pretty good man like again this dates back to the nba final of 2019 where the raptors put fred van vliet in the uh, on steph curry in the boxing one and he made steph work for every single shot steph curry uh, was going to take and even earlier in the season when the raptors played the warriors for the first time fred guarded steph steph probably had one of his worst games in that year he didn't even play well and the raptors somehow lost because of that uh, fluke shot by damian lee uh, which I'm still, I'm still annoyed that that went in. But and no, he got the free throws as well. But pretty much, Fred Van Vliet has been that better defender. He can keep up with a lot of guys. He has great hands. He, like, I, don't, I can't tell you how many times the game he comes and he just rips the ball away from, from big, tips the ball. I mean, he averages, he averages about 1.7 steals this season per game. And being a guy who's barely six feet tall, you know, the fact that he was that impactful on the defensive side of the, bat, the ball, it's pretty impressive.
1: Yeah, man. You, uh, you know, those 1.7 steals should definitely be higher considering yeah. the fact that the NBA gave a lot of those steals, counted it as blocks um, because of the fact that he was like swiping downwards. So it counts as a block technically. But yeah, so his steals numbers should be a lot higher. But, as you said, you know, biggest strength that he has, he has some of the best hands in the NBA. As you said, there's so many games where you just look at those positions, he just kind of rips the ball from whoever he's guarding. Um, And he's a worker on the defensive end, right? Chasing guys like Steph Curry around screens, um, sticking with them. He's also very strong for his height, right? Um, You know, another guy in the mold of like Kyle Lowry, pretty much, Um, you know, very, very strong. So when guys try to post him up, they're not able to do so. And, you know, that's one of the reasons why dating back to the Dwayne Casey days, you know, putting Kyle Lowry and Fred Van Lee together as your starting lineup or as your closing lineup was so successful and they had no deficiencies because of the fact that both guys played much bigger than their height. Um, And Fred Van Vliet, I think, is the epitome of being a great defensive player and overcoming the deficiencies that you have in the NBA. The next guard that we're going to put in the all-defensive second team is Matisse Taibo. Now, Matisse Taibo came in from day one, being one of the best defenders in the league. Um, he's had multiple, multiple games where he's had like over five steals, over six steals. Um, he's been absolutely great for the Philadelphia 76ers. And another reason why they've been such a great defensive team. To have a guy like that off the bench who, you know, ideally in the future could be a great 3D option. Obviously, his shot is a work in progress right now. But in terms of the defensive side of the ball, he's already there. You know, he's very, um, he, he has great length. He has great size. He has great strength um he has again one of the quickest hands in the nba uh you know he's averaging 1.5 steals and 0.9 block or sorry 1.6 steals and 1.1 blocks a game so that i just i think just shows you in terms of you know he can do it all on the defensive side of the ball and when you pair that with guys like ben simmons and joel Embiid, you know the the sixers have a top three ranked defense for a reason so matisse Thybul, even at this young stage of his career already deserves a all defensive nod
0: yeah, no, for sure. I think Matisse Thybulle has definitely established himself as one of the best defender, like defenders in the league. You know, especially when you mentioned like deals in a block per game. That's very effective in terms of, you know, not only is, does he have quick hands, but he's also great at you know, you know, contesting, great at blocking shots, making sure making it difficult for players to to score. And I think having that off your bench, on top of having Ben Simmons and obviously another player we're gonna mention in a, in a bit, you know shows why Philly has such a great defense this season. So Matisse Thybulle has definitely been fantastic. Definitely deserves to be on the all-defensive second team. Um, which brings us to our, our first forward position for the all-defensive second team. And no, this is not a homework pick. This is factual information. We are giving it to O.G. Ananobi of the Toronto Raptors. This man does not get enough credit for being a beast on the defensive end. O.G. Ananobi will literally guard anybody. You know, he will guard anybody. One through five. And he will shut them down. It doesn't matter. He'll or he'll make life difficult for him. And I hate the people who always say that, oh, whoa, well, well, the guy's still dropping 20 points. He has to work for those 20 points on OG and Inouye. And like the fact of the matter is that we just mentioned Matisse Thybul. I mean, OG's averaging 1.5 steals and 0.7 blocks per game, only playing 43 games this season. So he missed some of the season. And the Raptors were tanking. And the Raptors were tanking. But OG is still the best defender. And there were so many games where When OG wasn't playing, where I was like, yo, if OG was here, he'd shut this guy down. He just makes life so much easier for the Raptors on the defensive end because he'll take away the opposing team's best player or he'll make life difficult. Like, there are moments where teams, opponents are going to switch off of them. Like, against uh, an example, and the Knicks tried to switch, every time, tried to switch OG off Randall Because, again, they knew OG would have probably shut Randall down. Now, Randall obviously had a great game that that time, but it just shows that the respect that you got to give a guy in OG and Obi, who's been a fantastic defender. And I think he should get his respect this season
1: yeah he definitely deserves his respect you know you could put him on the team last year um uh, but definitely this year I think he deserves it you know there's that stat out there um you guys can stretch it up but there's that stat out there of you know positionally how much players defend each position and if you look at it OG's defended the most positions out of anyone you know he's put them everywhere he's been all over the court. Um, and defending multiple positions more than anyone. You know, you talk about him defending Julius Randle. The next night, he'll guard Donovan Mitchell. The next night, they'll put him on Nikola Jokic. Um, and that shows the how versatile he is. You know, he's being called baby Kawhi Leonard. Um, offensively, you know, it's still a work in progress. But defensively, he's Great improvement, right, though,
0: offensively. Yeah,
1: great improvement. But defensively, he's already right there, right? Um, he's definitely hands down one of the best defenders in the league. I just don't think he gets named because he's not, you know, a flashy player or whatnot. And he doesn't, you know, hype himself up. Doesn't talk much. Yeah, he doesn't talk much. So OG Ananobi, though he does, I think, get overshadowed and underrated by a lot of NBA fans. uh, He is hands down one of the best defenders in the league, period. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Next up, we have Mikael Bridges as our second forward on the all-defensive second team mikhail Bridges came into the league as just another one of those Villanova NBA ready guys. Yeah, another three and D guy. Um, he's been great for the Phoenix Suns. There's a reason why they've been a top seven defense in the league this year, um, averaging 1.1 steals a game and 0. 0.9 blocks. Again, another stat that just shows you how impactful he is all over the court defensively. Um, you know, he takes the assignment of guarding the uh, the opposing team's best perimeter uh, player. You know, his length. I think his arms are insane, right? Um, and his IQ is also off the charts. His, his quickness, his agility. You know, he is just very, very t- multi talented as a defender. Um, and a big reason why the Phoenix Suns have been that great on the defensive end. Uh, I think it starts and ends with Mikhail Bridges for them. And especially for him to be such a young guy and to be already this great on the defensive end. Um, shows to you his maturity level. And I think his IQ defensively.
0: Yeah, like you mentioned, he's one of those Villanova guys that again was has. I think he stayed pretty much all four years or three I think years, three three years in college. Three. Again, he's one of those guys that that has the IQ was was great in college and great being a, a very versatile player. And I called him coming into the NBA that he was going to be a great role player, a great two way player, and he's already starting to do that this, this season with his emergence of his offense a little bit but you can tell on the defensive side of the ball he has the physical tools he has the length obviously he's putting on muscle on the frame so he's getting stronger as well he's he's quick he's athletic those are the type of tools that you want from a defender in today's game he can guard multiple positions and he's a big reason why Phoenix was so good this year he can just he'll take on the best the best uh, offensive assignments and you know really make it difficult again like these are the type of players that, that are really valuable in today's game. And again, Mikael Bridges has just become that. I've called it since day one that he was going to be really good, and now you're seeing, you're seeing the benefit of it. So yeah, Mikael Bridges definitely deserves to be on the all-defensive second team, uh, which brings us to the center position for the all-defensive second team. I mean, we've got to give it to Joel Embiid, man. Joel Embiid ha- was on a mission this year to uh, win a defensive player of the year. whatnot, Although he's not going to do it this season, unfortunately, because he was injured. But there's no denying when Joel Embiid is on, when he's healthy, dude, he's a monster in the paint, man. He will he he average about one a steal game of one point four blocks per game. Only playing fifty one games this season, but he still showed you how great he is defensively. You know he can even switch out, he can guard a few positions as well. You know, but again, in terms of being a shot blocker, uh, really a deterrent. Joel Embiid is definitely up there, man. Like it's re- he's also a big, massive dude. So it's like imagine posting that guy up, bro. Like it's really difficult to do so. Yeah, man, you
1: talked about he clogs the paint for opposing teams. Um, he's very, very quick, too quick for a guy that's supposed to be as big as him. Um, he has great hands, he has long arms. He literally does it all for you on the defensive end, right? He's a more, I guess you can say mobile Rudy Gobert. Obviously, I don't think he has the same impact as Rudy Gobert. A little bit less, I would say. But you know, he's a more mobile version of what Rudy Gobert gives you for the Utah Jazz. And he his strength is there. He's one of the strongest players in the league. He just does everything you want from the center spot defensively. And the fact that he wants to be great on the defensive end, um, I think just makes him yeah. makes even him better, better. Yeah. you know? So Joel Embiid, I think, definitely deserves to round out our all-defensive second team.
0: Yeah. So those were all defensive first and second teams. Again, definitely let us know. What, what do you guys think? Do you agree or disagree? Is there anybody we missed? Definitely let us, let us know. Uh, which brings us finally to the All-NBA teams. Now, these are obviously highlighting the 15 best players in the NBA this season. And once again, there was, there was some debate. And there's going to be some surprises, obviously, in terms of where we put people. Obviously, COVID and injuries really kind of impacted some of our decisions. But, you know, it's definitely an interesting year this year. But we're going to start off with the All-NBA first team this year. Again, similar to the All-Defensive teams, it's two guards, two forwards, and a center. That's how we formatted it this year. Uh, that's how it's being formatted. And that's how our predictions are going to be, uh, be given to you guys. So obviously the, the first guard spot, I mean, there was no question about this one. It's going to go to Steph Curry of the Golden State Warriors. I mean, he led the NBA in scoring this year. He won the scoring title this year. Uh, carried the, this, uh, G League-esque Golden State Warriors team. Almost made it to the playoffs. Um, there's not much more you can say. I mean, he's, he's, he's one of the best guards and not the best guard in some people's minds. Uh, this, uh, in the league right now. Uh, and, you know, for, rightfully so. He's just impossible to guard. Like It's so hard to defend Steph Curry. And the way that he he really, you know, he went on that stretch that he was just unstoppable. It was just so hard to stop Steph Curry and slow him down. So there's no question that he definitely deserves to be on the, on it's crazy the first team.
1: It's crazy to me how older players say that they would lock up Steph Curry. Uh, you know, maybe if you can hand check him. But here's the thing, right? I got like, for example, I'll, I'll give you a name. Uh for, for my hoop heads out there. Mahmoud Abdul Roof.
0: This guy was playing with
1: hand checking. This guy was what six foot one, six foot two. This guy's playing with hand checking. And this guy is doing was doing what Steph Curry is doing right now. Obviously on a much smaller scale. Uh, but for him to do the things that he was doing, there's absolutely should be there should be no doubt in anybody's mind that Steph Curry would dominate in any era uh that he was put into obviously if there's no three-point line then you know it's kind of his impact does get decreased but there's no denying that he would dominate absolutely dominate in any era that he was put into and because of the fact that he's just unstoppable um obviously we all know he's the greatest shooter of all time but the thing i like to repeat over and over again is that he's the greatest off-ball mover i've ever watched in my life and i think this is a lesson for a lot of a lot of players who are you know just regular players out there don't yeah. underrate how important off ball movement is. This guy gets 80% of his points because of the fact that he is the best off ball mover in I've ever watched. Um, He does so much off the ball. You know, he runs around streets. He's running around the perimeter. He never stops moving. And that's why you look at his game highlights. You're you're saying, you know, this is the best shooter in NBA history. How is he always getting this open? Because of the fact that he moves. He doesn't stop moving. Yeah. Um. And so Steph Curry, like, again, not much we can say about him. That hasn't already been said. But, you know, Steph Curry def- definitely deserves a spot on the All-NBA First Team, especially with the MVP-worthy campaign that he put up. The next guard that we're going to put on the All-NBA First Team is Luka Doncic, you know, the one boy himself. Um averaging 27.7 points a game, eight rebounds, eight point six assists, um, shooting around 48% from the field and 35% from the three-point line. Now, Luka Doncic, you're seeing it especially in the playoffs, um, obviously, you know, minus his injury. Um, Luka Doncic is, I think, by you know, in a lot of our estimations, the next face of the NBA. And for good reason, he can do it all on the court. His impact is just immeasurable. Um, He leads you to winning, even coming in at, you know, the age of 19 um, to to have the impact that you did. Think about it this way, especially for a lot of people that didn't think you'd be good in the NBA, which I think was, you know, a horribly bad take. Um, He dominated the second best basketball league in the world at the age of 18, winning the MVP and winning the championship. Yeah, exactly. He started at 17. He won the MVP at 18. That's dominating it. the second best league in the world.
0: You really think he wouldn't be good in the NBA? Like, come on. And that's man. a men's league. That's not, that's not a kid's league. That's not a college league. You exactly. Know, this is a men's league. And you know what? I've been on the Luka hype train since day one. I ain't hopping off this shit, man. I've been driving this shit. Because again, what can you say? He's the next face of the league. And you're seeing it even now in the postseason. What he's been able to do uh, is incredible. Luka Doncic, hands down, all, all NBA first team. Which brings us into the first forward spot that we want to talk about. And we're going to give it to Giannis Antetokounmpo. Obviously, Giannis being a, being a two-time league MVP winner, defensive player of the year winner, he's had the accolades as well. But again, this season, he's still doing it. He's still producing. 28 points a game, 11 rebounds, six almost 6 assists per game. Although he doesn't have the three-point shot, he's still not afraid to take it, which I respect. But again, he's just doing what he always does, man. He's he's just been a fantastic player. And the other thing with Giannis is he doesn't miss a lot of games. Like he he really doesn't. Like this season, I think he just rested more games than than anything. But again, in elite in an Already short season, he only missed what twelve games? It's pretty good. Yeah, man,
1: Giannis, I think the biggest thing for him is that you know, you can talk about his um his deficiencies all you want. But the thing about Giannis is that he does so much for you on the court that overshadows his deficiencies. You don't get two MVPs for no reason. You don't become an MVP and DPOY player in the same season for no reason. He is the Greek freak, right? Like he can do it all on the court, obviously, minus the jumper. um And the thing I think a lot of people love about Giannis the most is the fact, you know, his intensity, his effort, his energy. It's always there at 100%. You know, he's not taking games off. Um, He doesn't take possessions off. He's always at full throttle. I think that's one of the things you have to respect the most about Giannis, Um, you know, not even including his whole backstory and whatnot, which is obviously very inspiring in its own right. Um, But, you know, Giannis has been great um, and should definitely warrant an All-NBA First Team nod this year. Um, The next forward we're going to have on the All-NBA First Team is Kawhi Leonard. Now, Kawhi Leonard is arguably, I think, putting up his second best season of his career. Um, Averaging 24.8 points a game, 6.5 rebounds, shooting 51.2% from the field and 39.8% from three. He's also averaging 1.6 steals a game. Um, Now, Kawhi Leonard obviously isn't the same defender that he once was, but he's still a very good defender. Offensively, he's one of the best players in the league. You know, he can score at all three levels. His ability to take over a game um, is second to none. Um, you know, his efficiency, I think is what is the best asset about him. The fact that he doesn't take bad shots, he takes very smart shots. He doesn't miss shots. So, you know, he's not putting up shots all over the court where he's scoring an inefficient clip, you know, getting 30 points a game inefficiently. He's scoring within the offense. He's scoring even in isolations, but it's very, very efficient shots. Um, and his, his, just his steadiness on both ends of the court, I think is what drives him to be great. Um, you know, on both yeah. sides of the court again. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, Kawhi Leonard has been absolutely fantastic for the LA Clippers this year um, and definitely warrants an all b for team.
0: Yeah, I think for sure. I mean, I, well, you, you talked about was the stability. That was the big thing that Kawhi brought. It's the big thing that I think I missed the most when Kawhi was with the Raptors, obviously, just that, that stabilizing presence, man. He just brings that, man. Like He's the guy who will get you a bucket and get you a stop whenever he wants. He'll do it. And he doesn't. he's very efficient in doing it, too. Like, he also gets the line a ton which he drive, he gets the absorbs contact. He gets the free throw line. He does it all, man. He can score at all three levels, man. Kawhi's great, man. And I think he doesn't, I don't think he's ever going to win an MVP award, but he's, he's, he's going to be one of those guys that probably should have won a couple in this game. Nah, I
1: don't know about that load management. Oh,
0: the load management wasn't there, but I think in terms of overall his game, it's very complete. But which brings us to the center spot for the All NBA first team. And if you guys watched our awards video, awards episode, definitely check it out if you haven't done so. You'll know who our MVP pick is, Nikola Jokic this season, and so he's gonna be the on the center for the All NBA first team, hands down. Nikola Jokic has been the best center this season, the one of the best players this season. I mean, twenty six points a game, ten point eight rebounds, eight point three assists, shooting fifty six percent from the field, almost forty percent from three. Played all seventy two games, didn't miss a single game. Dude, he's been he's been awesome and deserves this.
1: He's been the best player in the league this season, simply put. No no ifs or ends or buts about it. He's going to win the MVP um, for that exact reason. You know, you talked about it. 72 games, he played all his games. The Denver Nuggets needed him to play every single game because of the fact that their whole offense functions around him. And that's very impressive. As I talked about on numerous occasions, he's already the best passing center of all time, honestly. Um, His ability to run the offense from the center position is absolutely insane. Um, And the fact that the whole offense revolves around him and his passing and his scoring um, is absolutely great, you know, and then you factor in what he's being able to improve on on the defensive end uh, where he's not as big of a liability anymore. Um, You know, we've already talked about Nikola Jokic a lot, so, you know, we don't need to rehash about him, but. He's been the best player in the league hands down this season and definitely deserves to round out our All-NBA first team.
0: Yeah, so that was the All-NBA first team. Moving us into the All-NBA second team. Now, this is where a lot of debates are obviously going to be started off, but the the first guard position, we're going to obviously give it to Damian Lillard of the Portland Trailblazers. There's no denying that Lillard is, again, he's my favorite point guard in the league right now. Again, just based on the way... How he plays, his demeanor, the fact that he there's no quit in Damian Lillard, man. He's going to carry his team no matter what. 28 points a game, four rebounds, seven and a half assists, 45% from the field, almost 40% from three. He does it all, man. Damian Lillard just is, is is a fantastic player overall. Deserves to be on this list.
1: Yeah, man. As you talked about, he he has no quit. He is the Portland Trailblazers. Um and and, and just his energy and his compete level on the court is what drives him. Um, you know, and what makes him so success, successful, you know, he's able to, he's one of the few players in the league along with Trey Young and Steph Curry that can pull up for those 35 foot bombs and make them on a consistent basis without them being bad shots. Um, but yeah, Trey, uh, I almost said Trey Young. Damian Lillard has been <laughs> Don't great. Don't disrespect him like that. And Damian Lillard has been great for the Portland Trailblazers. Um, and you know, he's just been that for his whole career and he's going to continue to be that hopefully. Forward as well. Um the next guard we have on this list for the All-NBA second team is Chris Paul, now he Chris a debate. Paul. Chris Paul is has led the Phoenix Suns on a massive massive turnaround as he did with the OKC Thunder last year as well. Um he's averaging 16.4 points a game, uh 8.9 assists, shooting 49.9% from the field, um 39.5% from 3 and averaging 1.4 steals a game. Now Chris Paul, he's called the point guard for a reason. Um you know, like what he's done for the Phoenix Suns is immeasurable it can't even be talked about um you know and his just his ability to run the offense as the best pure point guard in the NBA to date as he has been I think for the past decade I would say um just his ability to run an offense uh, just to run a team overall on both ends of the court I think is what sets him apart side note for all the play- uh, people that are saying Chris Paul deserves an MVP. Uh, nod or there's an MVP mention. The funny thing is, if I remember a couple years ago in 2018, Kyle Lowry was averaging the exact same stats and people <laughs> were calling him a bomb. Oh, make cool. it make sense, please. You know, like if Kyle Lowry is averaging the same stats as Chris Paul and, you know, he doesn't even deserve to be an all, all-NBA team, make it make sense. How does Chris Paul make, uh, deserve an MVP, uh, you know, some MVP hype? Not that I'm discrediting the MVP hype of Chris Paul. I, I'm all for it. But, you know, Kyle Lowry, to be disrespected in the way he has over his whole Toronto Raptors career, I think is borderline for him.
0: And guess what? Kyle Lowry has won more rings than Chris Paul. That's just, that's just factual. Kyle Lowry has been played in more conference finals than Chris Paul. That's just factual information at this point in time. But again, we're not talking about Kyle Lowry, although again, greatest Raptor of all time. Facts. Absolutely. But again, Chris Paul has definitely just transformed the Phoenix Suns, like he did for the Oklahoma City Thunder. You know, Chris Paul is a bona fide winner. He's going to come in. He's going to lead any team that he's on. And he's done it well. I mean, this Phoenix team, we didn't expect much of... We didn't think... Bro, our prediction for the, for the Phoenix Suns was that they weren't even going to make the playoffs. They were barely going to make the playoffs this season. Bro, they they made the second team. The second seed in the Western Conference, bro. It's incredible what he's been able to do. He's had a great season, man. And although people are going to have some arguments as far as who else they're going to want to put in for this, for this, for this spot, but... Man, there's not really much many players better than Chris Paul. So yeah, Chris Paul definitely gets a second guard spot, which brings us to our first forward spot. And uh, you know, uh, this this is a funny one. So obviously we all know Paul George uh, you know, has done has, you know, has a reputation at this point, you know, being way off P, pandemic P. I'm gonna hit the backboard P. Uh, everything's fine, P. You know, whatever nickname you want to go by him. You know, we've clowned him a lot on this show for obviously his playoff performances. But there's no denying that this past regular season has been Paul, one of Paul George's best seasons overall. You know, tw- averaged about 23 points a game, six rebounds, five assists, 46% from the field, 41% from three. He's been great, man. Like, he's been great. He's been, every, he's been what we expected Paul George to be, you know. And again, he, he took the criticism to heart that he got last season. He really reshaped his game, came back more focused, in better shape, and really just stepped up his game overall. Now, again... Has that translated to the playoffs? Still yet to be seen, considering what the Clippers are. But there's no denying, Paul George had a fantastic season. He definitely deserves to be on the all NBA second team.
1: Yeah, man, this is why I called I think that I said that Paul George would have a resurgent season. Because of the fact that he came into the season more motivated than ever, more <laughs> hungry than ever, uh, more focused than ever. Um, you know, he's been there since day one from the beginning of the season um and he's just the the if you look at the eye test i would say especially the mentality in him seems a lot different um you know he he doesn't bend at all you know he doesn't he doesn't go one way or the other he's very he's been very stabilizing on the court similar to Kyle Leonard for the clippers this season and he's been a big reason why the clippers have been um uh, being so great and i think especially you know he talked about it with Lu utilizing him more like Paul George wants to be utilized rather than, you know, Doc Rivers utilizing him like Ray Allen. Um, I think that's translated into Paul George's success, especially being one of the, you know, top five best ISO players in the league this season.
0: So Paul George is
1: definitely being great. The second um, forward for the All-NBA second team that we're going to have is LeBron James. Now, LeBron James might have been uh, an All-NBA first team player this season. Unfortunately, injuries happened and injuries just killed the Lakers season. Um, he averaged 25 points a game, 7.7 rebounds, 7-point 7 assists, um, shooting 51.3% from the field, and 36.5% from the three point line. Now, LeBron James, again, it's LeBron James. Like, yeah. I, I don't have to say anything more than that. It's LeBron James.
0: Yeah, <laughs> there's not really anything else we can say. LeBron James, man, like, again, if he didn't get injured, he would have been all of me a first team. That's just kind of what we have to say about LeBron. But so, yeah, LeBron definitely gets a second forward spot on the All-NBA second team. Which brings us to the center position. And again, uh, he was an MVP candidate this season. Uh, you know, definitely had a, had a resurgent season. The set, our, set, our pick for All-NBA second team, the center spot, is going to go to Joel Embiid. Embiid's had a fantastic year, man. He's averaging 28.5 points a game, 10.6 rebounds, almost 3 assists, 51% from the field, 38% from 3. And, and Embiid has just been that dominant monster that we all knew he could be this season. Again, he was healthy. He was in shape. He finally showed that his, like you know, that he's able to maintain himself for, a, for for most of a regular season. Now, again, the injury still came back to came back to bite him this season, and now and even in the playoffs. But there's no denying, like when healthy, he's he's one of the best bigs in basketball.
1: Yeah, man, he was probably a top three player this season for a reason. Um, I think just the difference in him this season, especially, is just being his willingness and his demeanor to dominate. I think that's the biggest thing you can just see from the eye test. Because the stats aren't much different, you know, the impact isn't much different. But there's a real different feel about him and his game this season. Um, And especially off the disappointment of last year's playoffs, I think he came into the season, as I said, wanting to dominate, wanting to grab that MVP, wanting to be the best player in basketball this season. And it's translated to his success on the court. So Joel Embiid definitely deserves to be the last player on our second team.
0: Yeah. So that was the All-NBA second team, which finally brings us into the All-NBA third team. Now, this is obviously, a lot of people are going to have some debates on this one. But, uh, again, this is who we believe should be on the All-NBA third team. So, again, if you disagree, well, keep it to yourself. I don't know. (laughs) Or or go rage on the internet. I don't know. But uh, first guard position is going to go over to Kyrie Irving of the Brooklyn Nets. Now, obviously, I've had my criticism of Kyrie Irving in the past and still do have my criticisms. But there's no denying he's had a pretty good season this year. 27 points a game, 4.8 rebounds, 6 assists, 50% from the field. 40% 40% from three and 92% from the free throw line. It's a guy put up a 50-40-90 season this year. And he was pretty great, man. Kyrie Irving, again, like, although he's been on a Brooklyn team that's pretty much stacked, um, Kyrie has been great. I mean, we all knew Kyrie in a secondary or third role on a championship team is very good. It's a very good player. Like, we saw that in Cleveland. And now that we're seeing it again in Brooklyn, makes Brooklyn even more unstoppable, which makes it even more frustrating why Brooklyn needed all that talent when you already had KD and Kyrie, you went out and got hard in two, Like, I don't know, but Kyrie had a pretty good year.
1: Yeah, Kyrie had a 50 40, 90 season. I think this is legitimately the best I've ever seen Kyrie. I've watched his whole career. Um, I would say this is probably the best I've ever seen him. Um, he looks to be the best, uh, you know, shape of his life. He's talked about it um, his, him changing his diet whatnot. Uh, but yeah he just seems like a different player on the court this season um, even defensively where you know we've talked a lot of, you know everyone always talks about how bad his defensive his defenses from what I've seen this season too he's being focused a lot more on the defensive end he's put a lot more effort on the defensive end especially this season on offense where he doesn't have to focus on any playmaking duties because he's being the de facto shooting guard on this team James Harden has become the point guard for this team and you know, being the distributor while Kyrie can do what he does best in terms of his scoring. So, Kyrie now with a bona fide playmaker with James Harden and another secondary scorer in Kevin Durant um, has been the best, uh, I think, of his career. Especially, you can see that in the percentage. The next guard we have on the All NBA third team is Bradley Beal. Now, Bradley Beal obviously his team did not do that great, but Bradley Beal. Um, was one of the high scorers in the league. I think he was second in scoring this season at 31.3 points a game, um, shooting 48.5% of field, um, 35% from three. Now, Bradley Beale, again, you know, like you can talk about his team record and whatnot, but there's no denying this guy can score from everywhere on the court. He's, been, he's one of the best scorers in the league. Um, and he single handedly had to carry this Washington Wizards team at times. Um, you know, there's those famous stats of him being the uh player to get the most was it 40 point games and lose the most times yeah. or whatever it is yeah. uh you know way more than like the next person whoever was um so bradley beal i think you know even though his team is franchise sucks uh bradley beal put him on a winning team oh my god bro, that would be insane
0: dude i'm telling you come to toronto bradley you'll win a lot more here and your stats will not go unnoticed and people
1: a lot more people will actually love you
0: and respect you but again that's a, that's a conversation for another day but again Bradley Beal I mean we've talked about him a lot and he's a very good player he's a even like again I know Zeeshan been very critical of his defense but I think again when he's engaged I think when he, he can be a very good de- defensive player but again he has to carry such a huge offensive load for Washington that I don't think he really cares about the defensive end at this point
1: well but, Washington itself doesn't care right? yeah
0: Washington doesn't even care about defense so Bradley Beal has just been fantastic and he definitely deserves to be on an all NBA team uh, this season uh, which brings us to the first forward spot for the All-NBA 13. And, man, we went back and forth on this one. But I was very adamant, and I think, I'm deservedly so, I was very adamant that Jason Tatum should be on the All-NBA 13. Now, Jason Tatum has had a very good year. And, again, I know he plays for the Celtics. But, man, what a player, man. was just 26 points a game, 7 rebounds, 4 assists per game, uh, shooting 46% from the field, 39% from three. He's been he's been really really good, man. That, and mixed up with like, what didn't he have like a 50 point game or something, or or 60? The yeah, guy yep. dropped 60. Yep. Guy dropped 60. And he dropped 50 in the playoffs. Like, dude, Jason Tatum is is he's great, man. And not to mention he does even he's a very good defender as well. Dude, he does it on both ends of the floor, man. Like, how did Philly lose out on him? I have no
1: idea. Danny inch finesse. That's one
0: of Danny hard, Ainge's man. biggest oh, finesses ever, man. But yeah, yeah. He, he's just been so great this season. I know this hasn't been a good season for the Boston Celtics overall, but he's one of the best players in the league. And even in the postseason, he's showing you how good he actually is in his fourth year in the league.
1: I think that's my point too, right? Jason Tatum, the thing you love about him if you're a Celtics fan is that you get the most out of him when the Celtics most need it, right? You're talking about put up a 50 game in the postseason. You put up a 50 game in the playing tournament, uh, you oh, know. Yeah. He put up a 40-point game uh, last game, I think it was in uh, against Brooklyn. So Jason Tatum shows up when it's needed for the Boston Celtics. You know he's already had multiple game winners this season and then in his whole career as well. So Jason Tatum, I think, definitely deserves to be on this list. I think there was a lot of you know contested players who definitely deserve to be on the list, but I think Jason Tatum for us, uh, I think, is is solidified on this list. The next forward spot, and this is where we have a difference of opinion. I would say. Or kind of like, you know, just to get two guys, kind of cheat our way with two guys in in that spot. But my forward pick for, you know, the second forward of the all nba 13 would be Julius Randle from the New York Knicks. Now, Julius Randle, we talked about him in a couple episodes ago on the NBA Award show, uh NBA Award predictions. Um, he's averaging 24.1 points a game, uh, 10.2 rebounds, six assists, shooting 45.6% from the field, and shooting 41.1% from three. Now, Julius Randle I think the main point about him is that, you know, you already you always saw this offensive creation from him, especially the playmaking, um, and then his mid-range and low post scoring. But the biggest thing for him this season was his improvement in the ju- in his jumper. That just opened up the game for him so much. His ability to shoot legitimately 40-plus percent from outside um, has enabled him to get to that 24-point mark. And not to mention on the defensive end ball, t- Tom Thibodeau has gotten the most out of Julius Randle, where obviously... He's been a negative for pretty much his whole career on that side of the ball, but now with Tibbs there, he's been able to be actually, uh, at least statistically, one of the best defenders in the league. So shout out Julius Randle for having the season that he did. Obviously, the playoffs was being a different story, and the playoffs are a different animal. Um, But yeah, in terms of regular season wise, Julius Randle is definitely deserving to be on this list.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think Julius had a pretty good, pretty good season. But again, you're just a Knicks hater. Listen, it's not hate; it's real. And again. Thank you, Atlanta. We are are on board. I'm the biggest Hawks fan right now. (laughs) But, again, I think in terms of who would I put on an all-NBA team, I think I'd put Jimmy Butler instead of uh, uh, Julius Manning. Because I think of Jimmy Butler's impact for the Miami Heat, I think, is greater, in my opinion. I think, again, Jimmy Butler, although he's not even scoring as much anymore, even though we know he's capable of doing it, the fact that he brings it on the defensive end, he's rebounding, he's playmaking, he's basically being being the the de facto leader of the Miami Heat this season, it's just like, I know the the Heat got swept this season, but Jimmy Butler is just one of those players that, you know, is so impactful. When he's off the floor, the Heat are just, they can't do anything. We saw it at the beginning of the year. They were really bad without Jimmy Butler on the court. So for that reason alone, I think, you know, I think Jimmy definitely deserves his recognition. I think he definitely deserves to be on the All-NBA team. And I think if he played a few more games, I think a lot more people would be on board of bringing Jimmy Butler in on the All NBA third team. So, yeah, I think I personally think of Jimmy Butler again. No hate to Julius Randle; he's had a great season, most improved player, and all. But man, like it, I think it should be Jimmy Butler personally. Yeah, but,
1: man, Jimmy Butler. I think you touched upon him right. Like the 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 difference in the Miami Heat from when he was not there due to COVID and then when he came back was night and day. Unfortunately, Bam Adebayo is just not that guy. At least not at not this stage yet. of his career right? And Jimmy Butler has to be that guy for the Miami Heat in order for them to win. Obviously, he's going to get made fun of a lot and people are going to have a, I guess, not great perception of him because of postseason that he had. Rightfully so, he did have a terrible, terrible postseason. But Jimmy Butler, in terms of the regular season, was absolutely fantastic.
0: Yeah. So, yeah. So, again, we have a little bit of a debate on that one, but again, either one of those players would would, would definitely deserve to be up there on, on the all-NBA defen- all the, the all NBA thirteen. Which brings us finally to the seventh position for the all NBA third team. Uh, we're gonna actually give it to Rudy Gobert. Obviously, Gobert has been fantastic. You know his numbers may not be the best, but again, this is a guy who is an anchor on the on the best defense in the NBA right now. 14 points a game, 13 and a half rebounds. He he really improved his offensive game in terms of you know being a better presence offensively, grabbing more rebounds, you know, gaining more possessions for you know Utah. But in terms of his overall effectiveness as a center he's he is a top five center in the nba
1: yeah man especially like we know what he is defensively he's gonna win well he should win the dpoy award this year again uh but offensively is i think where the difference was this season his ability to be more assertive this year on the offensive side of the ball um we're talking about the utah jazz who have a top three offensive league a lot of that has to do with Rudy Col- rudy colbert and his gravity on pick and rolls on dives on post-ups um, in front of the rim on lob threats, all of the, 90% of those three-point shots that Utah takes and makes at the highest clip in the league are as a, a, as a direct result of Rudy Gobert and his gravity and his play. Not to mention he's become a better passer, uh, a better passer from the, for example, pick and roll or from the low post this season. So Rudy Gobert, though his defensive uh, abilities have been talked about a lot and rightfully so. His offense, I think, ha- is what has separated him, um, at least in this year of his career.
0: Yeah. So those were our all-NBA teams. Definitely let us know what you guys think. Do you agree or disagree? Uh, let us know what you guys think in the comment section on YouTube or social media. Which, finally, to end up this episode, we want to go over a few things in the Up and Under segment. Uh, first off, some somber news. Uh, Dante DiVincenzo and David Bertans are out for the playoff for their respective teams, the Bucks and the Wizards. Um in terms of for the Bucks, obviously losing a guy in Dante DiVincenzo really hurts. Like he is one of those like two-way players that they really like and he's a very key contributor for them. So Dante DiVincenzo, him being out really sucks. Davis Bertanz, I mean, let's be real, the, the Wizards were going to get slapped by yeah. Philly. So it's not that big of a deal that he got hurt. Now again, again, not wishing injury on anybody, but in terms of which one has had more impact.
1: Yeah, it, in terms of impact, Davis Bertanz like the Wizards are gonna be booted out the playoffs. Um, and Davis Bertans was not having a great postseason, anyways. Though so again, you know, speedy recovered to him. Uh, Dante DiVincenzo is the the main one that really hurts, I think, for all NBA fans, because of the fact that everyone wants to see the Brooklyn Nets lose. And without a guy like Dante DiVincenzo, who does so much for the Milwaukee Bucks, especially defensively, facing a perimeter-oriented team like the Brooklyn Nets. I don't see any chance of Milwaukee winning it with this with Dante out so unfortunately the the loss for them is just massive um, and unfortunately I don't think they'll be able to recover from it this postseason. Um, next up are you up or under on Jason Tatum saying that Michael Jordan, LeBron James and Kobe Bryant are all solidified as top five players of all time?
0: I mean I'm kind of up on it honestly speaking like LeBron and MJ are definitely up there. And, you know, Kobe, I think for most, especially for me in particular, yeah, I definitely put Kobe up there as well. You know, again, like it could be cheating in terms of, like, you know, these are three guys that played in different eras and did different things, played different styles. But, well, LeBron and Kobe and MJ are different in terms of how they play. But there's just no denying these are three of the most, you know, insp- inspirational, the most influential players. Of all time and again the fact that they are such great players you know i I definitely i would agree top five all time
1: i mean i'll say i'm up on it for the sake of like a general argument these guys would definitely be in my top three but again as i've said on numerous occasions i'm under on it because of the fact that i don't really believe in a goat debate uh because of the fact that players across different eras do different things so you know i'm not really one to love ranking players against each other but in terms of general sense Yes, definitely those three would be in my top five hands down.
0: Yeah. And moving on, are you up or under on some of the fan incidents that have ha- been happening around the NBA during the playoffs? Now, again, now, fans were recently allowed back into NBA arenas, obviously, for the playoffs. Um, but there have been a lot of instances, especially in the playoffs, that are just like so inhumane. like A fan throwing popcorn at Russell Westbrook as he was going off the floor because of an injury. Uh, a Knicks fan spitting on Trey Young. Uh, whatever uh, Emmanuel quickly and whatever happened with him.
1: Uh, Nick, apparently, somebody at MSD threw a beer at him.
0: Well, they threw a beer at him. I didn't even know about that one. Uh, Kyrie Irving getting a water bottle almost thrown at him. Uh, the Philadelphia, the Philadelphia incident was that a streaker? Yeah, a streaker. <laughs> yeah, a was streak. a streaker. And then the Utah game, I think it had some racist comments. Being yeah, briefed.
1: racist. Like they were showing racist comments at John Morant's dad and stuff.
0: Yeah. yeah. So, are you up or under on what the hell has been going on? <laughs> Hey, man,
1: this is what happens when you come out of a lockdown, right? Or a quarantine, right? Unfortunately, like, people have just gone completely crazy um, because of the fact that, you know, people are cooped up in their houses and stuff. But, you know, it's, as we touched upon it, it's absolutely, like, unacceptable. Um, and I think a lot of it would be solved with Charles Barkley's uh, solution of get the fan down onto court and let the players beat him up. unfortunately you know the nba doesn't want another mouse at the palace incident um and that's (laughs) the worst that's the worst case that can happen um unfortunately if you're the nba i don't think you can really do much about it because of the fact that like
0: what what else can you do they put up a memo that they're going to be improving increasing security measures and obviously disciplinary measures as well for fans who obviously you know but the thing is too
1: it's like dude there's like 20,000 people there, out of 20,000 people, one person did something stupid, yeah. right? So it's like, you can't really punish fans, like 99.9% yeah, yeah, yeah. no, no, of that. fans, for doing, you know, for, for stuff that, like, point 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 zero 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 one percent of it's people did. It's
0: just weird, man. Like, it's like, dude, did you guys forget how to act? I know it's been been a while, but it's just, crazy, just man. act like human beings, please. Honest,
1: bro. And finally, are you up or under on Kevin Dornett and Glenn Davis being critical of Kyrie Irving? for stomping on the Celtics logo Lucky. Um, obviously, after his game, after the game four that they had, um, and before the fan threw the water ball at him, Kyrie Irving was seen stomping on the Celtics logo and dragging his feet uh, on Lucky. So are you over under on Kevin Garnett and Big Baby Davis being very critical of this?
0: Listen, I'm in a tough spot right now considering I'm a Raptor fan, and I would step on Lucky if I had a chance <laughs> to do so. But in terms of a sports... Element to it, I kind of am up with them in the sense that you got to have some class in that sense. Like people really care about the look, but lo- about a logo, you know. There's a respect factor that comes out of it, and the fact that Kyrie is just stepping on them, even when he played, like he played for that team. Like you, the like you played for that team, and he
1: screwed them over. He lied, to
0: yeah, them, the fans. you lied to the fan base. The fact that you, did, like, it's not even like he accidentally stepped on it. No, he deliberately stepped on the on on the logo, and uh, disrespected it. And I think. Kevin Garnett and Glenn Davis were were pretty accurate that you disrespected pretty much every player that ever played for that team including yourself because you played for that team too so I'm yeah I'm definitely up on it I'm definitely agreeing with Kevin Garnett and Glenn Davis now obviously did they blow it out of proportion a little bit yes but there's a respect factor in sports and that needs to be maintained
1: I mean TO situation right if you guys (laughs) did the same thing and uh, you know if you want to step on logo like I don't really care but you, sh- other the other team should be allowed to do what the Dallas Cowboys did to Terrell Owens, which is clocking. Respectfully, right? Like, I'm not saying to have a brawl, an all-out brawl. But, you know, the other team should be able to do something back.
0: There's, there's an underlying respect in sports, and that's something that you've got to maintain. Um, yeah, pe- some players are going to feel that if, if you disrespect that. But, yeah... Th- that was it for this episode. We hope you guys enjoyed it. Definitely subscribe to the show and all the various podcasts and platforms you can find on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, YouTube, basically wherever you can find a podcast, you can find us with the up and Under Podcast. Also, check us out on social media, Twitter and Instagram at AppleetterNunderPodcast, Facebook.com slash Apple For all the latest up episodes, whenever we for all the latest updates, whenever we post a new episode, our reaction to news. Like the NBA playoffs, like the all NBA teams as they occur. So definitely check that out if you haven't done so already. And uh yeah, check out our website, UpnandoPodcast.com. It's a central hub for the show. It's a place where we post blog posts with every single episode. So if you don't have time to listen to the episode or watch the episode, you can read about it on our website. So definitely check that out if you haven't done so already. And uh yeah, man, uh almost in round two of the NBA playoffs. So things are getting are heating up in the in the playoff race, but uh Yeah, things are getting more so. But we're going to be coming up with off-season content very soon. So definitely stay tuned for that. But uh, with that, that concludes this week's episode. We'll see you guys on the next one. Take it easy. Easy.